yeah, Tim Lester, you got a lot to learn when it comes to Iowa football. Your offenses have been way too potent. They've scored way too many points over the years. They're going to have way to too many receivers. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this is tight end. This is tight end university, son. Uh, you're going to have to get those 12 personnel, like the, anything that is not 12 personnel. Got receivers running 15 it, yards down yeah, the field and whatnot. Take it out no, of the no, playbook. No, 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 no. Take that out of the playbook immediately. Um, and welcome to Iowa, buddy. So we're going to – You is are gonna to be, run to the sticks. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to Run be, to the sticks and turn and around. Stop and That's turn it. around. Don't zig, don't zag, sticks and stop. Um, just Iowa's route tree is four tight ends running – to the sticks and running a hitch and stopping and turning around and throw it to the biggest, most open one. Um, and I if think, not, you sitting next to me. What y'all yeah, talking about? I think this is going to be the perfect test to see how bad is Iowa, like how much is Kirk Ferentz just like, no matter who sits in that chair, you will run my offense. And my offense is punt. <laughs> just finished this i saw this headline before the iowa the gambling update did you see the the update there i didn't okay so i'll save it but quick sneak preview y'all next time we'll talk about the uh basically the information that they obtained the idc which is the iowa department of criminal investigations to the or yeah those that people they obtained the information about all this gambling stuff illegally. They essentially, it sounds like, entrapped the uh, the kids and also got was using an unwarranted software, like without a warrant, was obtaining information. And so it's interesting because it was one thing when it was an NCAA offense, but the fact that some of these were like criminal cases and now illegal search and seizure essentially is being is being pulled here we're just gonna keep an eye on that because i want to i want to know more but that's so far Wait, they... so was i was like taking the under on the spread this is what i think <laughs> happens i think it was former because there's the wrestlers and former football players or football players from both iowa and iowa state i think what's happening is the sweetest bet in all the sports is the iowa under no matter how low Vegas sets that number. How low can you go? Yeah. And I think that they were just, you know what? Like, we got to crack. We got to crack down on this. Like, we got to launch an investigation. Some agent apparently just went rogue, used the AI software without a warrant to obtain these students who were betting on games. We don't know what they were betting on. Let's just all assume it was the Iowa under, because what else do you bet on? And what else? What else is a sure thing? What else is like you know? What else? If you were Iowa, Iowa State, like that was the one thing. There was the both schools like had the 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 same connection, and it must be just like even if you go to Iowa State, you know we got to bet on this Iowa under. So I assume it was that, and then uh, that some rogue agent was like, we got to put a stop to this. Use the AI software without a warrant to. I guess probably obtain information from these online accounts. And then in investigations with the players, um, one agent essentially told uh, one of the former football players that he was just looking into like that no further like felony or criminality would be pursued pursued. It was just about, you know, like the uh just trying to obtain information. He knew probably the player that is like, you know, it's NCAA against those rules but no it, it wasn't illegal because gambling is legal now um apparently you know a, a, apparently all that information that they got and punished all these players with was obtained illegally that's that's where we're at with it so did they break the rules according to the ncaa yes they did um but as far as like the criminal investigation wing of this goes the information was obtained illegally. We got to throw this whole thing out. 
The only criminal thing about this is I was offense. <laughs> That's what needs to be investigated. Well, ladies and gentlemen, SP and Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast. That's where we're going to start. I was offense, believe it or not. They've made a hire. Tim Lester coming in from uh, last at Western Michigan, Western Michigan head coach, uh, coming in to be the OC. This was a move not made by Kirk Ferentz. This was a move made by uh, Beth Goats and the Iowa Athletic Department because if it were up to Kirk Ferentz, he would hire Brian Ferentz again. It was just Brian Ferentz would come in disguise dressed as another person to try to just get the job <laughs> back, <laughs> and Kurt would hire him. This is not Brian Ferentz. This is uh, uh, Brian Dawson. Someone no, similarly uninspiring. <laughs> no relationship here. Um, it also turns out, you know, like uh, his son-in-law has a job, a very high-ranking job at the University of Iowa as well. Brian Ferentz's, or Kirk Ferentz's son-in-law, hmm. like runs, runs something at Iowa. I forget what it is, but it's just nepotism galore. Uh, but look, Tim Lester, here's what I know, right? Last 2018-2021 at Western Michigan, every year, top 35 offense. I don't know what I was doing. I don't. I, well, here's what I think they're doing. I think that their goal is like, can we be so bad at offense that we could take a guy who's been good at offense historically for the last three years at a school not worth much as far as their football program is concerned? And it's like the challenge of Iowa is how bad can we make someone who was once good at <laughs> offense? That's how they look. Is that how they look at their hire as opposed to like, we got to find somebody who can make us good at offense. It's like, we got to find someone who was or is good at offense and see if we could bring them down to our level and teach them how to play real Iowa football. So, um, yeah, Tim Lester, you got a lot to learn when it comes to Iowa football. Your offenses have been way too potent. They've scored way too many points over the years. They're gonna have way to too many receivers. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is tight end. This is tight end university, son. Uh, you're gonna have to get those 12 personnel, like uh, anything that is not 12 you personnel. Got receivers running 15 it, yards down yeah, the field and whatnot. Take it out no, of the no, playbook. No, 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 no. Take that out of the playbook immediately. Um, and welcome to Iowa, buddy. So we're gonna. This you is are gonna to be, run to the sticks. <laughs> this is gonna <laughs> run be, to the sticks and turn and around. Stop and That's turn around. It. Don't zig, don't zag, sticks and stop. Um, just Iowa's route tree is four tight ends running to the sticks and running a hitch and stopping and turning around and throw it to the biggest, most open one. Um, and if I think, not, you sitting next to me. What y'all yeah, talking about? I think this is going to be the perfect test to see how bad is Iowa. Like, how much is Kirk Ferentz just like, no matter who sits in that chair, you will run my offense, and my offense is punt. <laughs> you will run it like I want it run. And I we're gonna see right now a guy who's just like, you don't know me. I've been at Western, I mean, I've been at Western Michigan, but the one thing my teams always are is good at offense. He's gonna get to Iowa, and you're gonna be like, Yeah, you could dead all that. We won't care about none of that over here. We score points on defense and special teams. I don't yeah. know what y'all talking about. Point, field goal, block, Iowa. That's what we do. Tight ends. Get these receiver sets out of here. Um, on the Iowa note, I can't wait to see Cooper DeGene, someone try to make him a safety, just because the only thing more racist in the NFL than the way they view black quarterbacks is the way that they view white cornerbacks. They just flat out <laughs> won't let them participate at that position. And Cooper DeGene is one of the best corners, corners, corners in the nation. And I can't wait for somebody to Eric Weddle him. Just be like, all right, you're a safety now. Yeah. Because it won't work because he shouldn't play safety because he's a corner. So whoever drafts him, please let him play corner. Just that's that's all I ask. Just give give your fellow white man a chance to play corner. Maybe, maybe he can do it. One other hire, because this is the award show, y'all. I, I should have should have let off the top. This is our award show, the much anticipated. Uh, it's award season. I realize the season has since wrapped up. We have Jim Harborough stuff to talk about. Going to kind of be brief on that so we can get to these awards. 
Um, I mean, I don't really feel like other than we could talk about Sharon Moore and, and kind of like what's next for him. And I really don't think there's much left other than build, you know, fill out your remaining staff. They're not really losing talent. I think everyone kind of knew Sharon Moore is going to be the coach <laughs> there. Uh, it's not like it was a tough beat to be on, but I've been on this Harborough to the Chargers beat for a while. He's probably going to be their GM too. They probably like, cause they haven't hired a GM yet. It's probably kind of just going to be him. I don't want to talk about the Raiders GM situation as happy as I am with Antonio Pierce is as unhappy as I am with Tom Telesco who failed with the chargers and now we're bringing him here, but that's another note. Um, I mean, Jerome Moore, I'm glad he got the job. I'm glad that Michigan didn't do something that would have been not all that surprising and just give it to someone else. Um, so I'm glad he got the job. We'll now see, you know, what, how, what is their standing in the Big Ten as it expands? What kind of coach is he? He's obviously a large part of why their offense was successful and the recruiting. But we'll see what he is as a uh, as a head coach. And, you know, Harbor arguably, once Saban retired, you could make the case Harbor was the best remaining coach in the sport, maybe. Um, yeah, at arguably. Least, at, least, at least one of them. And so now Probably that Kirby Smart's the top yeah, coach. Yeah, Kirby, Kirby, sure. Kirby Smart. Yep. Um, but yeah, now it's just like so the best coach, certainly the best coach in that conference was was Harborough, even despite some of the struggle seasons they had. I would say coaching wise, maybe he wasn't recruiting at the level of an Ohio State, but coaching wise, he consistently we now know is getting the better <clears> of them. But now the best coach in that conference is gone. So that's just an interesting yeah. power vacuum. A lot of, you know, the big four schools who are in the championship this year, only one of them has the same coach, and it's Sarkeesian at Texas. Saban retires, so you got Kalen going to Alabama, Washington's going to Jeb Fish, and, um, you know, now you have Sharon Moore is going to take over at Michigan. So what are your expectations for him? Not so much year one, but just, like, what does Sharon Moore at Michigan big picture look like? Yeah, I mean, Sharon Moore took over Michigan this season during a really, really rough stretch. Uh, beat a top 10 Penn State team, obviously won the big one um, against Ohio State. So he's proven he's, uh, he can hold a team together, that he can uh, inspire confidence, that he can call an offense. So now it's just the rest of the job that we'll have to see. Yeah. And because he has been an offensive coordinator and associate head coach, and not acting head coach, you know he can do a lot of that job too. But like you already mentioned, the Big Ten got a lot tougher as a conference. Yep. So we'll have to see, especially with these new additions to the conference, um, how that style of play is going to stack up, how their philosophy around development talent is going to stack up, um, and how sustainable that is. Yeah, because we it's easy to laud Jim Harbaugh now, but he's been there for almost 10 years. Oh, it and took a while. Half of it, people were calling for his job. I was one so, of those people, kind of. Uh, not one of those people. I was just like, it's not working like they wanted it to because it wasn't. It took a while. Yeah, it definitely took a while. Shout out to you, Connor, the Stallions. Yeah, but it but it took a while. Um, but yeah, no, I I do. That is a good point. We've gotten to see a larger sample size of him as a head coach than we otherwise would have of any other coach because of the whole he coached half of their games this year thing. But um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. We'll do in the off season for sure. We'll preview these divisions and conferences, newer new aligned conferences, and it'll just be interesting <clears throat> where we. Like we said, is this another, you know, is this Michigan team slash program closer on the spectrum to a TCU, which is to say that they can have a run that lasts for a year or two at the top of the sport? Or are they closer to what Georgia is really the only team that is built outside of Bama or even Clemson who had their kind of four or five year run. Um, we'll, we'll see what they, what they are and kind of where they yep. go from, from their first, this is their first solo national championship. And what I would call the modern era 
era of college football. So we'll see what they are going forward. We'll talk more about them later. Um, Wisconsin, the only other thing since we're in the Big Ten world, Alex Grinch got hired there to be the D coordinator. We talked about Luke Fickle. This is a very important year for him. So that's an important hire. Alex Grinch, like I said before, was good at defensive coordinator before USC or before Lincoln Riley or outside of Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's never been good at defense. He's going to go to Wisconsin. We'll see how their defense looks in, again, a newer, more offensive-infused Big Ten this year. Uh, we'll see what Alex Grinch, D coordinator, looks like for Wisconsin. That's just another hire. Both Iowa offense, Wisconsin defense, interesting, important hires there. And just a quick note, does Buffalo have a coach? Because I was just looking at all the coaches across college football, and the most recent one I had, which was updated enough that it had the new hires of this cycle, like Kalen DeBoer and all that stuff. It just said vacant for Buffalo. And I know it's a tough job, but just just nobody wants it. It's just so tough that nobody wants it or that they haven't hired anybody. I just want to confirm. I mean, we're talking about Syracuse being a tough job. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, certainly a tough that's, job. <laughs> that's a worse, that's a worse Syracuse. Um all right, it says right here it's Pete Lembo. Officially introduced as the 28th head coach. This was updated January 23rd. All right, so six days ago, they hired my man here, Pete Lambeau. Uh, Lambeau. Shout out to Pete Lambeau. So shout out to you, Pete Lambeau. Good luck. He is a brother man, I believe. Well, maybe not. Maybe the white guy is the coach and the black guy is the athletic director. Maybe I just did something racist there looking at that picture. Look at me. I think Buffalo has a black AD and a white coach. Sorry, y'all. Usually the AD is the white man who gets to hire the black coach, only to fire him a couple of years later. But now, I think it's actually the, the black dude's the AD, and uh, Pete Lembo is the white man. Yeah, okay. Cool. This might be one of those jobs where the AD is actually the boss and not the head coach, the head football coach, which is not true at most schools. Yeah. In these Power 5 conferences. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get to the awards, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first annual SPN Ross's Untitled College Football Award. It does not have – we should uh, – well, you know what? Each award is titled. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't – it's the Untitled Award Show. Each award does have a title. It is named – and com- yeah, It is named after someone. It is dedicated to someone. So if the award is named after that person, fittingly, they're not going to win the award. But um, understand, you know that's that's why it was is named after them. They they're they're canonized in that way, and we are giving the award to somebody. Most of these are based. I mean, all of these are based on this season. So the award names will stay the same, though. You if we a, ever make an exception to this, it, it should be Bean. <laughs> yes, if it, Bean should, fully deserves his the, award, <laughs> Jason, Jason Bean should get the award named after. He has an award named after him, and may also be one of our award-winning recipients. That's totally fine. I think one we each have winners. He's earned it. Yeah, we each have our individual winners. So I have one. Ross has one. Uh, for some categories, I have multiple nominees that I'll read. For others, there was no <laughs> need for really the nominees, or or at least multiple. It was kind of just clear-cut winners. So I don't know. Do you have nominees in each, or do you just have winners? Yeah, I have I have a winner in mind, but we can go through our we list go through of some nominees finalists. When, yeah, yeah, others receiving votes, if you will. All right, let's kick it off with, and uh, I put these in no particular order, other than the order I kind of thought of them in, and then I did one of the last two are kind of the most. Uh, those are like the best picture awards in the award most season. prestigious. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, let's start with uh, the Rich Rodriguez. Wait. He's still coaching award. And that is for the coach that you were the most surprised to see a sideline shot of this year in uh, all of our hours of college football watching. Just the one coach that flashed on your screen that you're like, huh, it's it's that guy Uh, for a while. I mean, Rich Rodriguez could have won the award this year, uh, but. In past years, it's always been Rich Rodriguez because he always is getting fired from somewhere, but he's never not getting rehired somewhere else. So you always see him. Somebody is always convinced Rich Rodriguez. Um, you know, I mean, granted, he could he could he could run offense. 
Uh, but for that one, I have just two nominees and a winner. So my other's receiving vote was Clay Helton at Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. That one shocked me. But my winner, it was clear. It's Jim McElwain at Central Michigan. Had no, <laughs> I had no idea. And I caught a Central Michigan moment and saw Jim McElwain. And I had to like Google it to make sure that wasn't just a guy who looked like Jim McElwain. Because I couldn't believe I was like, really? Still? Huh. Okay. So that's my award winner. The Jim Mac- uh, Jim McElwain, Georgia, I mean, Central Michigan, you get the Rich Rodriguez. Wait, he's still coaching the award. Mine. Who you got? I had three finalists for this. Uh, all big, recognizable names. Um, the first, probably the, the most famous of the bunch, is Mac Brown. Yep. Just because he's – I thought initially when he took over at UNC, it's like, all right, this is like a, my farewell tour. I want to stay by this program quickly yep. and then retire. He's like fully he's, he's, coaching. He's all in. <laughs> he's all in. That's their future plan right now. It's he's Mac. like promising recruits. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> here. Like, he's he's all in at uh, right 95 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um. <laughs> Jerry Kill was the other finalist that I had. That's two a of good three. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, killed it. All manner he of killed it. illness and <laughs> <laughs> like eight jobs since 2016 or something like that. Yep. He's still around. He's still yep. around, still coaching. Shout great, out to you. Great season at New Mexico State, too. Yeah. Yeah. Great and he's season. not going to be, I think, an analyst next year yep. at, uh, at Vandy. Yep. So he's, he's still, still in it. I love it. Still contributing to programs. Uh, the third one, which is more so just, what's the word, incredulity, mm-hmm. is Bobby Petrino. Yeah, I, I could, I definitely considered that one, just because it's like, for the other reason, not like surprise, like, oh, look, he's still got a job. It's more just like, are you guys seriously still giving him jobs? <laughs> so he was able to get on at an SEC school finally at a major uh, coordinator position at Texas A&M, arguably influenced a little bit muted because of Jimbo. Yeah. yeah. But the offense wasn't good. And I guess he was able to turnkey that into saying that wasn't my fault yeah. and get hired at the school that he probably disgraced the most throughout his tenure coaching career. So, by Petrino back at Arkansas. A shocker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, and the fact that it's Arkansas. Who's your who's your That's winner I mean. going to? Yeah, is that is going he, to, is he going winner? to Mac? No, nah, I'm going Mac, to go yeah. Mac Brown because Mac is all in. <laughs> uh, Mac is ageless. Yeah, he's gonna coach there till 2050. Look, Mac is absolutely a award uh, a nominee for another category for me, and we will get to it. All right, let's get to the next category, which is the I name this one after. I guess I you know what. I'm going to name it after the first transfer, the OG transfer. And it's actually Russell Wilson. We got to go all the way back. Mm. I know I know he was grad student, but I feel like him being the first one to not sit a year and to go from being an all ACC level quarterback to just like, all right, I'm going to go to this top 25 team over here and play right away and, you know, Playing Rose Bowl, and we'll do we'll, we'll do a BCS Bowl. Yeah. yeah, we'll just go to the Rose Bowl. So that I feel like kind of was the OG transfer that set in motion all of this stuff. Now, so I'm going to call it the Russell Wilson Portal Transfer Player of the Year. Uh, that's going just so my only. I don't know if I told you this, so we'll see if it impacts your selections. It was just you, they had to transfer. Like this year had to be their first year at the new school. At their school. So, yeah. yeah. So basically like Michael Penix or somebody like that who, yes, is a transfer, but was already at Washington. Not eligible. Correct. Yep. Not eligible. Okay, cool. So I really just have three names for this one. I got three finalists, three different levels of impact we could talk about. I got Keon Coleman, Florida State. Yeah. I think just immediate, like best receiver in the nation conversation territory transfer. Like made it immediate yeah, impact. Borderline, no explanation needed. Yeah, like made he was, it he was incredible yeah, this year. immediate impact. Um, Sam Hartman and Notre Dame also 
kind of borderline no explanation needed there. Just the most the most sought after a quarterback in the portal that year and really kind of held together a Notre Dame team that I wonder what it looks like without Sam Hartman's like mm-hmm. veteran savvy and leadership at that position that year because they lost most of all the tough games except for one and it could have been uh, worse without Sam Hartman because he you know not the, not a lot of receiver help and uh it was under pressure I mean less pressure just not a lot of receiver help so Sam Hartman there and then another quarterback Jordan McLeod and what he did at JMU um, yeah, he had transferred from USF and then Arizona, sat out a year and then ended up starting this year for JMU and was a game away from going unbeaten. They would have probably been a New Year's six team if they had won their petition nonsense free JMU. But those are my three finalists. But I would I would give it to um, Keon Coleman because, like I said, uh, just arguably I, I I know Marvin Harrison Jr. I know Malik Neighbors a lot at Roman Dunze, a lot of good receivers. But him just like I think what he meant for Jordan Travis and that Florida State team yeah. was a large part of their unbeaten run. Like yes, the defense and other players, but I just you know, I think he was that big of a difference maker. I'm giving it to, to Keon Coleman over two quarterbacks. Fair. For the sake of time, I'm not going to repeat any finalists. And I just say my winner uh, because yep. he also um, – I don't have him up for any other awards, and I think that would be a crime if he didn't have any awards from us. So my pick is Travis Hunter. Yeah, that's fair. I thought about Shador also nominating him. Yep. Just the yep. tan- And maybe in tandem, just the two of them, um, what that meant for Colorado in, in tandem with Dion. So I like that. Yep. Even how they even how they fizzled at the end of the year, what they brought to that program, um, the fact that they were must see TV for most of the season, and didn't have the depth to actually sustain it, mm-hmm. but the two of them, but specifically Travis Hunter, um, they were excellent this year. Yeah, no. And hopefully they'll have more help next year. Good shout. And then toward the end of the year, partly Travis Hunter, people started to criticize like him getting beaten coverage a lot. Completely ignoring the fact that he's playing every snap of every play <laughs> as if fatigue isn't a, a thing. And in my head, I'm just like, you can't be it, tired. Yeah, in my head, I'm just like, so if he got to just rest like every other football player, like, I don't think I'd be concerned about him as a coverage liability or a receiver. Like, he is equally good at both. It's crazy. But yeah, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad he got that from us. Uh, all right, yeah. let's, let's go to the four week national champs i this one needs to be named after i don't know who's always like a team that we think is gonna win a national championship i don't know we'll come back on this one maybe for the sake of time but my four-week national champ which is essentially going to the team who we we me you or i maybe the media but i'm i was more so kind of thinking myself i'll i'll indict myself uh that we maybe thought had a chance of being crowned or would be in a college football final four conversation four weeks into the season only to be proven hilariously wrong for whatever reason. I have one team and one team only that I really did think, Hey, they might be able to like the schedules there. They might be able to do it and it was wrong. They lost all the games that they would need to, to win for that to happen. And it was Notre Dame. Yep. Like, I really did think that, that they had a chance if they beat Ohio State, if they could beat Clemson. <laughs> um, I forget what they won other game. They beat – they did beat Duke. They lost to Louisville. Um, but, like, those those were – like, if those were the games they needed to win. You know, maybe the one loss to Ohio State and winning the rest of them, it goes a little differently. But I do remember four weeks in, I was like, I don't know, Notre Dame, offensive line's good. They could run the ball. Sam Hartman, like – Marcus Freeman gets the defense playing well. We'll see. And I was very wrong. So that's the answer for me. Who you got? Yeah, I approached this similarly, but also I think different in a few important ways. I thought about the teams that were the highest and were ranked the highest after week four that we all acknowledge were could be good teams that kind of flamed out. Mm-hmm. Um 
the highest team on that list was USC. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and I, I think we, I don't think necessarily an indictment of buses. I think we we've been talking pretty much all year about how that roster was inherently flawed, and yeah. the defense is eventually going to let them down. Uh, but the three teams I had for this, um, that I think ended the furthest from where they were in week four: USC, Penn State, Washington mm. State. Yeah, all Washington top State. Twelve teams at that point all finished much much later in their rankings with the yeah. exception of Penn State, who still ended respectably on their season. Right. Yeah, Penn State, I, I, I know to be fraudulent all the time. You know how I feel about them and just their whole existence. Um, but, yeah, I, Washington State, definitely I remember there was a time where I thought the Cam Ward show could just run through the whole yeah. 12, you know, Pac-12. You never know. Um, and... Who else did you say before Penn State? Oh, USC. USC, yeah. You and I were aligned that they were um, a flawed team and that the only – And there's, there's the back end to the schedule also was – Yeah, the only chance more they – more competitive in the first half. The only chance they had was Caleb Williams goes, you know, Super Saiyan mode every game and then some, right, to have any chance. And that, like, you know, the fact that they were even ranked is what I say is a testament to him and less – the team or anything else, because if you take Caleb Williams off that USC team, I don't know. Um, so yeah. All right. With that, that's, it's funny. Four weeks in Notre Dame, USC, definitely. I mean, uh, 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 Washington state for me, definitely, but certain teams, I just wasn't going to fool myself. We have a similar award, but it's slightly different. I will run through first team all name, unless you have some, I, I have as many positions as I could write down. Do you have any, additions to the first team all name or you should I just run I have through? a few let's go through yours and see if there's anybody see what you left. Got. okay so at quarterback I got Jackson Dart Ole Miss backup quarterback I got Tony Musket just great names for guys who throw the ball <laughs> right he was quarterback UBI uh running back I got Roman Hemby from Maryland Scadaboo no first name needed Arizona State Breezy Dubar He's a scat back for Boise. Uh, breezy Dubar. Love that one. Wide receivers. Give me Major Everhart. Wide receiver TCU. Squirrel Wright. Wide receiver Tennessee. Gotta love Squirrel Wright. Gotta love Squirrel Wright. And of course, this might be the greatest name of all time. Cavassier Smoke. Moving on down. <laughs> the defensive line. Chop Robinson. D-line. At linebacker from South Carolina, give me Tonkin. Happily named Chop yeah, Robinson. Happily named Chop Robinson. Linebacker from South Carolina, give me Tonka Hemingway. Uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, Alabama defensive back. That's really his name, spelled like the drink. Scooby Williams, the Florida linebacker slash defensive back. And of course, one of my favorite names, Capone Blue, the defensive back from Kent State. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you? He have? will rob you. <laughs> Capone Blue is not to be trusted in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, who do you have to add to Capone Blue in the, the robber, in the robber position? <laughs> Capone Blue picking the pocket there. Um, yeah. Uh, who do you got? Do you have any additions? Did I leave any? Yes, Did I miss any for... great names? Yes, Oklahoma's. I think he might be backup or third string. General Booty. Ah, yes, General Booty. I thought Always. he was done, but he's actually still playing. Still there. Uh, same with uh, the coldest. The coldest <laughs> car by Louisiana Tech. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, my oh, my favorite one. That I can end with because we can do this forever. Um, Spitacilla, <laughs> be at Boston College. Salute, first team all names. We really could do this forever. I feel like that that award should be named after the Key and Peel sketch that really I feel like inspired uh, a generation of parents There's that they're gonna else. do even more. Oh, you know what? There was one more. I'm sorry. I've, I've left one out too. I left out Jordan Dominant from, uh, you know, a linebacker from Colorado. Jordan Dominant. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Jordan dominant. That that is perfect. That is yeah. right on cue. Yeah. My last one, the end, Duke University. Favorable factor. Favorable factor. Is that it? it? That is. That's it. Let's hit it. Um all right, next. No, I'm sorry. Memorable, memorable factor. Memorable, memorable factor. Okay. Memorable factor. DN. Somehow even better. DN. Memorable factor. Yes, sir. Salute to all of our first team all names play all first team all name players out there. There are more we could have kept going. Um all right, let's do one more award and then we're gonna take a slight I'll take a slight break. Let's do uh, the Iowa. I, I'm naming this award after Iowa. The best team that will never actually... The Iowa best team that will never actually compete for a title award. So it's kind of self-explanatory, especially once you name it after Iowa. It's a team that we have to say is good. They they win numerically. They win a lot of games. They win more than they lose, or they're always top 25, or for a number of just empirically so things, we do have to say that they are, quote-unquote, a good team. But everyone knows that they're not actually going to win a championship. We just have to respect their record. Uh, this year, who was that team that all year you could look ahead at there, and part of this is looking at their schedule, seeing what they would have to do in order to really win a title, who was a team that you knew they're going to be good? They could win 9, 10, maybe even a bowl, 11 games, but they're not going to play for a championship. Who is that team best? I had two teams kind of similar reasoning for it as my finalists, and I have one winner. Uh, I'm going Ole Miss and Missouri were those two teams this year that I knew. I knew they were good. I knew they would be top 10, 15 teams could win 10 games, but you're not beating both Georgia, Bama, uh, LSU, like whatever. It's like you had to win uh, all of these games. It just looking ahead, like all that wasn't going to happen, but you're still good teams. So those are the two for me. Very similar uh, situations, but I got Ole Miss and, and Missouri. So I actually have two that I didn't think were going to be good or knew were going to be good, but um, they ended up being good, and mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons, though these schools can't, it's unlikely these schools can sustain success. But both of them are unique in that they had better than expected seasons, they end the season hot, and um, they were a few wins away from running, I'm sorry, a few points away from running the table um, for most of these teams. So close losses, one of them had a blowout loss. Uh, and those two teams for me, one was Arizona. The second was Kansas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kansas, like, I, you know, I love the Kansas program, or at least the direction that they're going in. Arizona, too, yeah. Arizona, I think by about week four or five, I think we were convinced they were a good team. But, yeah, there was a there's the ceiling there, especially in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, for them, too, they, they lost a bunch of games early, and then they won and seven they, in a row. Then they won a bunch. Yeah. 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 Good call. And then Kansas, they were out there starting quarterback for most of the season, but outside of a blowout loss to somebody, I can't remember who they lost to. I think it was, like, somebody random like West Virginia. They, they played everybody tough. Yeah, they did. They really did. That's a good call. And it's part of how Jed Fish ended up at Washington now. So, yeah, yeah good call there. All right, so we got Arizona, and we got Ole Miss uh, as the best teams that will, uh, you know, that will never actually compete for a title, but they have really good teams. The Iowa best teams. Weather delay special. You got, you got. I this one, I pretty much just created this award. There isn't even really a name for it. Maybe this will. I will name the award after the winner this year. I basically created this category just so I could talk about this thing that happened so early on in the season that maybe people have forgotten about it. Um, I'm giving it to week two, Purdue at Virginia Tech. The storm delayed. That was a crazy weather delay. Yeah. Yes, it was a storm that delayed a game that kicked off at noon and did not end until 9.15 because of how it's many delay, long. how many delays and how long. Like, they didn't start it up, stop it, start it up, stop it. They stopped the game for, like, over three hours. Just, oh, just not playing. Just shut it all down. 
and finished. And it was the wildest thing. Like I couldn't imagine it. I want, I want there to be more written about it. I need documentaries. I need behind the scenes footage. Like I just need to know what went on on that, you know, Virginia Tech campus during that day when you played a nine hour football game. So this is, they're going to be the award winner from now on. The Purdue at Virginia Tech weather delay special of the year goes to our inaugural winner, Purdue at Virginia Tech week two. Imagine getting up at 6 a.m. the tailgate as a college student. <laughs> After a long day studying for finals, all these things happening, and the game still hasn't played. 30 for 30, the game they didn't play on time. The game, <laughs> the game that finished at 9. It, I just remember it was over. A game that never started. Yeah, I just remember it was ending as like the late night kickoffs were starting, like it was interfering with my ability to start watching the nine o'clock game on time. And the wild thing was it, it started on television, but they eventually had to bump it to like ESPN plus. You could only catch it online just because they're like, all right, well, it's just going to interrupt programming for the next nine hours. So we have to just, we got to move it. If you want to watch the conclusion of this game, that means nothing to no one, by the way. Virginia Tech, Purdue at the end of the year, tell me what it meant. But at the time, week two, that game was everything. I don't imagine there's another, I don't imagine you have a winner no, for this. No, that's, that's the winner. Just, there's, <laughs> that's, only one. there's only one. <laughs> there's only one game that did that. So that's the one. And that same day, there were other delays that, you know, like from similar areas, they lasted an hour, two hours, yeah, for, whatever, regular delays. For, for whatever reason, that Virginia Tech one was just like, nope, nope, we're still delayed. We're still in delay. We are still in delay. And it was delayed in like the second or third quarter. It was like the second quarter. So they had to finish, not just come back. It's like, y'all, we still got to go to halftime, come out the half, third quarter, fourth quarter. It was wild. All right, let's get to the Biff Pogi coach. Sideline Vibes Award. Uh, Biff, you could get nominated still, but I mean, just the vibes from Biff Pogi on the sideline, you already know what it is. Sleeveless t-shirt, sometimes no headset, pair of shades, Biff Pogi in the building. Um, I got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five, six. It's the most uh, nominees. Well, actually, second most nominees I got. Deion Sanders, clear, clear nominee. For sideline vibes, he's got gold-plated headsets and whistles, the shades, which he was moving, like, just pushing shade units left and right all season long. And um, A, B, and C list celebrities. Yeah, and would have just sidelines flooded with stars, rappers bringing him out the tunnel. Uh, like we said, pretty good sideline demeanor. Never really saw, like, they did a lot of losing. You never really saw, saw him blow up on the sideline. Like, he would say what he would say in press conferences, but... Kept it pretty cool on the sideline. Yeah, no, no real uh, meltdowns. Yeah, and also encourages fighting in practice. So shout out to Deion Sanders for that. Uh, Deion Sanders. Next nominee, Lane Kiffin. I don't think I need to really explain much when it comes to the Lane Kiffin vibe. You already know what it is. Cocky, calling his own shot, talking trash, uh, putting his hands up in the air before touchdowns are scored. Like he's a fan in the stands. Just like, oh, count it. Um Talks his stuff off the in 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 the pressers as well. All about getting kids some money. Stays in or around the edge of is that against the rules? Is that illegal? Is the NCAA coming? That's just kind of how he lives his life. I don't respect the NCAA, so Lane Kiffin, Kyle Whittingham. I feel like his vibes underrated. Um, I feel like he is like you know the way people love uh, Mike Gundy for his mullet. Like Kyle Whittingham is mullet, but also, you know, cool, calm, collected, not a madman of a coach. Just seems to be a little more composed and poised. And it's on the low, been running the Pac 12 for the past three or four seasons, and no one really talks about it. So I kind of like his silent assassin ways and former yeah. player, former yeah. player too. I, I have a, I love coaches who are former players. So Dion, Kyle, former players. Uh, two more, or actually three more. Mike Loxley, Maryland. Love his vibes. Seems like just a player's coach. Like his players really, really, really love him, really play for him. Tua, I feel like in part, turned down millions of dollars over the offseason because of how much he liked playing with Mike Loxley or in that program. 
Um, and like I said, any any black man willing to douse himself in mayonnaise for his team is committed, and I like his vibes. So Mike Loxley, Mac Brown, gotta give him the nod. And he's still alive because he's still there when he dances in the locker room it is my favorite thing um like you said like it's we thought this was just a little short and sweet goodbye tour like nice way for mac to go out but he's the future of the north carolina program <laughs> and he's they, the trash about the NCAA. He's <laughs> he, yeah he's bucking he's bucking at the ncaa he's bucking at the coaches like i just i like this new mac he grabs shane beamer by the throat after their game, like I just like where <laughs> sure Mac did. Brown. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, that went under really under like appreciated that he in a post game handshake thought, you know what, I'm gonna just grab this young man up by the throat, tell him what I think. Um, I just like his old man. I don't care. And you guys thought I was on my way out. Nope, I'm here to stay, and I'm running this North Carolina program. I just like those vibes. So Mac Brown and Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman vibes just. The the way he rocks the pullover makes the Notre Dame coach look good. Makes me actually root for Notre Dame. Um, I, I I I was shocked when he got hired, just because you know the last head coach that Notre Dame hired who looked like him, he had an undefeated season one year, or they lost that one game, caught caught tie winning him. The, the next year didn't go so well, and then they fired him, and I don't think they had a black coach since. So Marcus Freeman, I just felt like a lot of pressure on his back. But he looks unfazed, even after a season where they kind of lost all their important games. But he still makes the job look good. They went out on a high note in the bowl game. So that's my last Beat the brakes off of USC. Yeah. That's, yeah, they beat – that is true. That's an important game. So they, they dominated the USC game. Then they beat Oregon State in the bowl game. So I shouldn't say they lost all the important games. The Clemson loss really hurt. The Louisville loss, you know, that's a good team. And uh, losing to Ohio State, not, you know, it's it's Ohio State. That's fine. It just stunk that there were 10 players on the field for the final two plays. Of the yeah, the way against, they lost. Against them. But I still think he gets a nod. So of all those coaches, it's hard for me not to just give it to Mac Brown for a lot of the reasons that we talked about already on this show. He's <laughs> just, I don't care about anything anymore vibes. Um, I'm riding with I'm riding. I know Dion's odd uh, is a heavy favorite, heavy crowd favorite. Obviously, you could go with Dion, but I'm going Mac Brown just simply off of his his vibe right now is and what and what of it, and I, I'm I'm here for and what of it, Mac Brown. You have more of an appreciation for Mac Brown and what he's done when you see Ramon Taylor and Vince Young and how old these dudes look. No oh, man, yeah, yeah. And the fact like, that Mac Brown's still doing it was a long looks time the same ago. he did twenty years ago. Yeah, and like it's, that. It's the reason why Texas has the hopes and wants to like t- Texas being quote unquote back means mattering like they did when Mac Brown was there. So like yeah. that's that's the back standard, and yeah, he's taken that to North Carolina to now where North Carolina perennial top 25 team. I feel like people are, we've normalized that way too quickly. Like North Carolina was for a long time among the worst football programs in the country, just across all schools. The disparity between their basketball team and their football team used to be a joke. Laughable. Yep. Like they are a perennial ranked team now. And it's just like Mac Brown has a lot to do with with that. So shout out to you, Mac. Um, I only had one contribution to this conversation, and that was my recommended winner, which is Sharon Moore. <laughs> Sharon, I love you so much, Jim Harborough. Moore. Um yeah. Because every game <laughs> every game, every is, game is the most important game to ever happen. <laughs> every game matters. I like that. I'm down with Sharon Moore. All right, let's get to what the next. What he do when Jeff Harbaugh wins his first <laughs> NFL game? <laughs> when is that? They just interview him at Michigan on a Sunday after Jim Harbaugh wins against the Nugget, you know, against the the Denver Broncos, and he's just in tears at his Sunday uh, practice with his team. 
Just love Jim Harbaugh so much. He don't know what this means to me. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Jason Bean Let It Fly quarterback award for the quarterback most likely to win you a game or throw four interceptions and lose it. So this is I I I a quarterback where it's like it's pretty self-explanatory. Jason Bean, I will nominate him, but it's just like Jason Bean, he could go for four touchdowns, 450 yards. He could also throw four interceptions and you'll lose. Uh, it and and there's no telling like it, it doesn't it it doesn't there's no like rhyme or reason for how and when it's not like good defenses get them and bad ones don't and it's just it's just like they play let it fly football and sometimes that's what's gonna happen so I got three nominees for this we one. could uh, rename this the uh, I don't know like the Rex Grossman Award and just give it yeah. to me and call it a day yeah the Rex Grossman Award because that was kind of and he was a little bit better in college, but that was kind of Rex's thing. It's just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm let it fly out here. Like, yo, I'm gonna throw a bunch of touchdowns and yards, but might, you know, might throw two or three picks, but we'll be all right. Um, but my nominees before I give it to Jason Bean, because the award is named after him, so it's a dead giveaway. Tyler Van Dyke, Miami. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to him, but he went from somebody who looked like a really promising freshman and he's transferred now. So we'll see, but he could not stop turning the ball over. Just couldn't stop. So Tyler Van Dyke, Jack Plummer, Louisville through, was it 12, 12 interceptions. So like they were a good offense, but he's 12 interceptions against 21 touchdowns. So there were some of those games where they were winning in spite of his uh, turnovers. Yeah. So like Jack Plummer, Tyler Van Dyke, but the obvious winner, and and I'm sorry, one other nominee, Alan Bowman, Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, Alan Bowman was on, was Oklahoma my, on State. my list. Yeah, Oklahoma State literally is an interception for every touchdown. Uh, there were yep. some games like that Oklahoma game. He looked great, looked amazing. Uh, but most of the other games, it's like, I'm every time I score, I will also turn it over. So I'll keep us in these games. But I'll throw us right out of them. Those are the three nominees, but it's obviously Jason Bean's award. How do you feel about Joe Milton? Um, I don't like as an NFL player. No, like or as a nominee. Like, as a nominee. Um, was he gonna win? Was he gonna win you games? Was he? I feel like he didn't give me enough of the he'll win you games, but he'll lose them. I feel like he gave me way more of the. Yep, he'll lose them. This like then, like I didn't see enough of the upside this year. Yeah. I feel like yeah, there wasn't enough there. As an NFL prospect, people are talking about, you know, like is he or could he develop to be, you know, to make a roster to be a backup because there's some raw talent there, but his decision making is not great. Um, but I don't know. I, mean, I haven't I haven't done the deep deep dive on him yet as a pro. Yeah, people like to be in the ball, 80 yards on his knees, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So Jason Bean, though, that I mean this this award is forever years. Yeah. No one no one lets it fly like Jason Bean lets it fly. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs>